careful now. Boing. So cool to be playing vinyl. Vinyl. Took the record off the turntable. You ready for this? Welcome to Behind the Vinyl. Here's your host, Stu Jeffries. Welcome to Behind the Vinyl, a podcast full of artists playing vinyl copies of their biggest hits and telling us the stories behind the songs. I'm Stu Jeffries, and in this episode, Rick Emmett from Triumph talks magic power and how listening to the radio as a kid inspired the song. My mother had bought us all transistor radios, and I was maybe about nine years old. And I would go to bed, and I would put the transistor radio under my pillow. And, and uh, you know, it was like my passport to the universe. That's later. First, Alan Frew and Sam Reed from Glass Tiger talk about the song, I Will Be There, a song that makes them think of snow and me. That's right. We have a Stu connection. Stu played a big part in, in helping us. Did that big interview at the base of the hill, right? Yeah. Before going up. Uh... When he used to be on Good Rockin' Tonight. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, we came directly from the mountain in our <laughs> big mutlock yeah. gear. And, um, and we did and one we, interview. We did an interview. One interview, if I think. Was right? that it? It was just one. That yeah, was with Stu. Um, so this song uh, was written by uh, Hanson, yourself, and Conley? I think maybe Conley. Yeah, yeah. I forget how. I mean, I forget. Yeah. It's just too long ago. Yeah. To, to, Pretty sure. Yeah. I can't remember how the riff came or anything. Yeah. But I do remember um, that Brian Adams. Uh, so everybody always talks about Brian Adams singing on Don't Forget Me When I'm Gone. Yeah, they forget about this one. But he actually sings on this yeah, one. Yeah, well, yeah. There's a real Vancouver connection to this one. Yeah, yeah. And the video, uh, I remember it was on top of Tabletop Mountain. Right. Who directed it? Um, oh. It's an uh, Irish name, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, McDermott. Dermot. 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 And I forget his surname. Forgive me. Right. Uh, but. Uh, Sorry, Dermot. Yeah. Uh, a lot of fun. We had we had those Bell helicopters. I nearly fell out the yeah. damn thing. Yeah. The door opened. Well, there's a couple of really close calls during that video for this song, in that uh, we had to take the side door off the helicopter to get the 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 camera guy was strapped in. Right. And he was leaning out the, with his feet on the skid of the helicopter to get the shot, and we put Connolly for this. Right. And we went up the face of the mountain, and the chopper wash just about took Al. Right off the mountain. Our manager flipped. Remember, yeah, yeah, Derek was like, right. he was "What are you doing?" When he saw the footage, could you see Al? Him. And you think maybe it's done in like post? That's real chopper wash blowing, right. blowing. And he's standing right on the edge of the mountain, wow. playing that solo there. And if yeah. I'm not mistaken, Jim Valens, who was the producer of the album, he came. He he was so he interested. He, he wanted did. to come up. There's another interesting thing with the helicopters. Do you remember we shot right to the end of the day and the, the game warden guy, you, you have to be before dusk, you have to be off that mountain. Right. And uh, we couldn't, we had to pile everybody in that last chopper and he couldn't lift. That's right. And he wiggled to the edge of the mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, guys, I've done this a million times. <laughs> Just jump off. And he fall off until you catch the right altitude. Wow. I actually, since then, talked to a few uh, helicopter pilots and they said that was ballsy. Wow. Like that's not a standard move. Anyway. So there you go. That's yeah. I will be there. We did, yeah. we did some uh, exterior shots. We did some live on tour with Johnny. Yes. In Arizona. Yeah. And in a, 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 a hangar. In a hangar. One hang and it was freezing. Yeah. That was yeah. it. But it was beautiful there. That is a story of yeah. I will be there. I will be there. Alan Fru and Sam Reed from Glass Tiger and I will be there on Behind the Vinyl 
I'm Stu Jeffries and Rick Emmett from Triumph with the inspirations behind Magic Power coming up in just a few moments. But first, Emily Salyers from Indigo Girls drops the needle on Closer to Fine, a song that came to be from a front porch in Vermont. I'm going to drop this needle. There it is. I recognize that. Um, Amy and I recorded this on our eponymous first album for Epic Records. The album was called Indigo Girls. The song is Closer to Fine, and uh, it was released in 1989. And I wrote this song on a porch in Vermont. My family used to go and vacation out in the woods in this cabin that had no electricity, uh, and we cooked everything on a wood-burning stove, and it was pretty idyllic. But I used to bring my guitar on vacation, and so I remember sitting, I have a picture of it actually, sitting on this front porch and writing this song. At the time, I had graduated from college, and I was thinking a lot about the sort of insular world of academia and how the one thing I learned in school, basically, is you can't believe everything you read or hear. And then I just started thinking about all the things that we, uh, all, the, all the things that we seek as sources for answers to our questions in life. So in the chorus, there's a whole litany of things, like it's the fountain of youth, or you go to the mountains, which is where I was, or you go to the Bible, or you work out, or you stay vigilant, um, or you, know, you visit the professor. So this whole song is describing what we do to get our answers. But in the end, you have to take a little bit of everything in order to be closer to fine. And that's the crux of the song. The fun thing about this song live is that usually we have an opening act and whoever is from the opening act or the whole band will come out during this song, which is usually an encore song, Closer to Fine. And that artist or that band or whatever will come and sing the last verse. So we've sung this song so many times I can't even count, but I never get tired of it for that reason because live there's always someone new uh, singing the last verse and they sing it in different ways like we recently did a show with Bonnie Raitt in Minnesota and she sang this verse I, I died and went to heaven right there on the spot and uh, we've had Chrissy Hine during Lilith Fair sing a verse of this song and Sarah McLaughlin and just people that you just you couldn't imagine as a fan which I am a fan before I'm a performer so this is a bit of a hootenanny song uh, for that reason and if we don't have an opening act or there's no one there to sing the last verse, then the audience sings the last verse. Because typically at our shows, everybody knows the words to this song. So it's like Amy and I started as a bar band. It was always a hoot nanny. People were always jumping up on stage. <clears throat> everybody was always singing with each other. So this song just carried that tradition right up to this point all these years. I mean, literally decades later. Uh, we shot the video for it in Atlanta. Um, those were crazy days when it was like you're signed to a major label and you have a budget, you can shoot a proper video. So we brought all our friends, like my manager, his son, who's like in his 20s now, was like two, and uh, Caroline Aiken, a local artist who took me and Amy under her wing. The Hothouse Flowers, who sang on this track, are in the video, and we toured with the Hothouse Flowers. So it's just like the whole song and the spirit is about community, reaching out, finding your answers with a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So it's, it's really of the folk tradition for our people and, and for all, all people. And uh, 
it's just, uh, it's got a chorus that you can sing and remember that's easy. And I can't believe it's been all those years ago that I sat on that porch and wrote this song. But that is the full story, as far as I can remember. Closer to fine. Emily Salyers from Indigo Girls and Closer to Fine. I'm Stu Jeffries. This is Behind the Vinyl. And Rick Emmett from Triumph is up next with Magic Power, a song that brings in a little Zeppelin, a little Who, and a little kid. There we go. 12 string and uh, like we bought these little synthesizers. So that's like one of the cheap Casio-ish kinds of synthesizers playing that melody. This song is about, um, like when I was a kid, my mother had bought, uh, I had uh, two brothers, and she bought us all transistor radios, and I was maybe about nine years old. And I would go to bed and I would put the transistor radio under my pillow. And, and uh, you know, it was like my passport to the universe. I had this little radio that, so, and I had been lucky enough that the album before this one, Just a Game, uh, lay it on the line and hold on, it got a lot of airplay. So. This thing that I dreamed about when I was a kid, that, you know, uh, maybe someday I would be somebody that would have music on the radio. I, now I was living that life. I would fly into places like San Francisco or Los Angeles or New York City, and, and my songs had already been on the radio, and I would show up and people would have expectations of me. <laughs> but it was this whole thing of, of being on the radio. So we sort of made this, uh, because of FM radios, kind of, it, 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 that was the that was the world. And part of this too is uh, the whole Led Zeppelin thing. You know, Stairway to Heaven had made it so that you could make songs that were, you know, eight minutes long. And if you were, you know, strong enough and you paid enough for independent radio promotion, <laughs> they'd get you onto these stations and they'd play the stuff. So you could start a song very small and quiet, and then have it sort of build and build and build which kind of became a bit of a shtick for arena rock, um, hard rock bands at the time. But so as you can see, it's picking up energy as it goes here. And of course, the little girl that climbed into bed and pulled the covers overhead, that was actually me. <laughs> it's autobiographical. But of course, when you change pronouns in a song, it opens up your audience. Like, we had never had girls come to shows when we had this as a hit. All of a sudden now we had females showing up to play, uh, be at the gigs. We did a video for this. Uh, we'd done actually a group of three on a soundstage in Toronto where they'd built a big flying V guitar and, and we danced around a stage and there was a girl that I was dancing with in the video. And we hated them when we saw them. We called, we called them birthday cake in space because the stupid stage thing just looked like this ridiculous big white cake that we were. This song never would have been what it is if there hadn't been Pete Townsend and The Who. Like the, the idea of sort of the acoustic guitars forming a, a fundamental thing, then hard rock and stuff, breakdowns with little synthy stuff, things that go on. And, all that offbeat stuff, but you can hear it coming now. It's, the eights are coming. That's a high D, that note that I had to sing there. Now at my age, you can't hit those anymore. <laughs> well, on a good night, maybe. Good sound on that guitar. That was a, a Howard Roberts uh, Gibson guitar. 
So this is like call and response now. I sing these lines and the guitar answers. You hear an organ and set these kind of things. And that was Mike. And that session took a long, <laughs> that took a long time. Like Mike wasn't really an organ kind of guy, but we had the Leslie and the organ and so that you can get those sounds by sort of both hands, you push the keyboard. It's great. It was my favorite part of the songs. Fantastic. Mike Jones was the engineer on this stuff. He's passed away, but he was an English guy that had cut his teeth over in, uh, I think, the Decca Studios in, in London. But uh, this was the old days, 24 tracks, and so a lot of times you'd have to take tracks and bump them in order to create room for, like, the fills on the tag and stuff. Ah, uh, is it over? It's over. Rick Emmett from Triumph and Magic Power. And that's going to do it for this episode, but we've got plenty more to bring you. I'm Stu Jeffries. See you next time on Behind the Vinyl. This has been Behind the Vinyl, the podcast. Hosted by Stu Jeffries. Audio production courtesy of Doug Morehouse, Derek Walsman, and Troy McCallum. Thanks for listening.